Good, good, good. Good morning, everybody. Um, we, I, I'm, I'm very excited for this morning. I feel it's going to be liberating for all of us. Um, we're starting a new series today called Resolve. And there we go. It's, it's spelt wrong to be clever on purpose. And um, I mentioned a, a few weeks ago that our lives are like batteries. So all of us... Oh, wait, we need to... <laughs> Mid-sermon. Um, that's okay. Good morning. Okay, tell me when we're good to go. Okay, well, I'm I'm going to carry on, and and that's one of the reasons that the love uh, is so much better than the the online. So, anyway, we're starting a new series this morning called Resolve, and I mentioned a few weeks ago that all of us we have our lives are like batteries. And if one battery dies, oh, is that flash? That flash is on, and that's, that's as beautiful as it is to see. There we go. Um, so our lives are like batteries, and, and, our, and a battery is made up of many cells. And when one cell dies, then the whole battery dies. At least that, that's how it is in a car. Um, and you, you could be a three-liter turbo engine with huge capacity, Luxury interior, all the bells and whistles, a full tank of petrol, and a great service history. Yet if the battery is dead, then the capacity doesn't matter. And I know nothing about cars, so I might have described something completely terrible. But the point is this. If the battery dies, the whole vehicle comes to a standstill. It does not start. As people, we are made up of spirit, body, and soul. And body metrics are pretty easy to measure. If you think about your own life, your body metrics are easy to measure. We have scales. We have tape measures. Um, We can measure our blood pressure, our cholesterol, our eyesight, our pulse rates, uh, our hearing. We can measure all of those things. The other day I went for an eye test and they they just blew some air into my eye. I don't know if you've ever had that. Uncomfortable, but it measures the pressure or something in your eye. It's amazing how we can measure body metrics pretty easily. We have doctors. We have dentists. We have specialists. We have mirrors. <laughs> mirrors are, you know, well, they can be distorted, but we have mirrors. We can look at ourselves. We can feel when something is wrong. So you go to the gym, and then the next day you saw. So that's your body's way of telling you that that wasn't a good idea. You know, you mustn't. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I, I mustn't get out of that. That's your, that's your body's way of telling you that you need exercise. My point is this. Our body metrics are far easier to measure and manage is this going on and off? Um, they're easier to, uh, to, to measure and manage um, when it comes to our bodies than it is with our minds. When it comes to our spirits, they are either unregenerate or they are repentant. We are either facing Christ and we've been formed into new creations, new people, or we have turned away. Right? And this, when it comes to our relationship with God, is a relational thing. And like any relationship... There are things that build relationships and things that damage relationships. And God says the following, when it comes to your spirit, there's certain things that will build your faith muscles, that will make you strong, that will build the relationship. Things like um, fellowship, repentance, communion, community, the word, worship, prayer. These things make our faith muscles strong and they strengthen our relationship with God. Not, and I want to make this clear, Peter touched on it last week, not to earn God's love, but in response to it, right? When it comes to our spiritual lives, through Jesus Christ, the wrath of God has been satisfied and God loves us absolutely. 
So all of you in the room, no matter what you've done, where you've come from, what you're going through, God sees Jesus in you, right? You are redeemed, absolutely, perfectly loved. His wrath has been satisfied. We cannot earn God's love. So we don't do these things to earn God's love. God loves us absolutely. But we can position ourselves to experience, embrace, enjoy, and share the love that God is giving us. Right? And many people are physically healthy. They're physically okay. They are spiritually fine. Yet when it comes to their souls, they are completely depleted. Running on empty, and it's far more confusing to manage and measure our souls and the state of our souls and what we're going through in our minds than it is to measure our, our bodies. It's possible that we don't even know what the state of our mind is right now. So you might be in the room and you actually have no idea what your mental state of health is. We don't know what we are feeling. We don't know why we are feeling it. We don't know what that feeling is rooted in. And then we don't know why we're producing a certain kind of fruit and we don't know how to process it, right? And then on top of that, we have global pandemics. We have flooding. We have load shedding. We have inflation. We have crime and corruption. We have chaos and confusion. We have AI that's trying to take over the world. We have no clue. And the cells of our souls is empty, for many people, and, I, and I've seen this and I've talked to a lot of people. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at our souls. And we're going to trust God to do something on a soul level. And, and when we hear the soul, we're trusting God to bring healing to our mind, our will, and our emotions. Because everybody at this stage is going through something. Personally, from a personal perspective, I'm not somebody prone to depression. Yet I have gone through a season of extreme emotional, that has been extremely emotionally taxing. And I've gone through a few of these in my life when it's very emotionally taxing. And unless we can find God and bring him into that space, it leaves us absolutely broken. But God doesn't want us to remain broken. So I listened through my own desire for mental health and to get in a good space and to have the grace flow from me. Uh, I've read a whole bunch of books and I've spoken to a bunch of people and I've listened to some series. I listened to a series on Craig Rochelle from Mental Health and I've adapted some of that stuff for us over the next few weeks. Um, how often are people completely broken yet they look absolutely fine on the outside? I mean, you, probably, you can probably think of people that you know in your own life. They arrive at the meeting, they look good, they sound good, yet not all is as it seems. Inside, there is fear, there's panic, there's stress, there's secrets, there's shame, there's pressure, there's guilt, there's emotional turmoil, there's emotional trauma, yet on the outside, a happy smile. You know, come to church for me. Social media is the outside of the cup. You look, into, you look at somebody else's life and it's like, their life's just wonderful. <laughs> but if you got closer and you looked in the inside of the cup, you would never want to drink from that cup. But social media portrays something else. And often it's not the big event that smashes us emotionally. Sometimes it is, but often it's just the daily pressure and grind of going through life that eventually wears us down to breaking points. And sometimes... It's not like we're ignoring the signs. Maybe we feel something's wrong, but we don't know what to do, how to respond to it, how to handle it. And then what we do is we just take masking tape and we stick it over the dashboard of our warning signs. 
right? So we just think, okay, the engine light's on, masking tape, oil light, masking tape, and all we do is we just hide the emotions. And you've heard this, fake it till you make it. But when it comes to our minds and our emotions, I believe this, fake it till you break it. There's some things we can't just ignore and hope they go away. We have to find God in that space. For anyone new to church, I might shock some of you that know me. Pastors are people too. <laughs> no. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Those are the other lies. The pulpit is to proclaim Christ, not to pretend perfection. There is nobody that has ever stood up here that hasn't been broken enough to desperately need Jesus. In any church, anywhere in the whole world, no matter how much of a pedestal you may put them on, everybody is broken and in desperate need of a Savior. As leaders, we point to Jesus, the only one worthy of a pedestal. So me standing here is for practical reasons, because no man deserves a pedestal. Only Jesus, right? So a few weeks ago, Lorraine Harty, is Lorraine here? I saw Mike and Lorraine a moment ago. There we go. Oh, there's, oh, okay, there we go. Um, she was in the prayer meeting and she prayed for, for us and she prayed for you. So, so again, I'm reminding you, you're receiving prayers from people you might not know, but they're praying for you. And, she's, and she said she felt specifically to pray for people that are struggling with depression, anxiety, and emotional pressure. Um, and it's amazing how many people, including Christians, are flooding into the doctor's rooms at the moment, desperate for something that will help them to cope. So together as a church, we're going to trust God to find hope and health and healing over the next few weeks. Because Jesus didn't come just to redeem our spirit so when we die we can go to heaven someday. He came so that we can have a healthy body, soul, and mind. Our mind, will, emotions, our spirit, and our body to be healthy and touched by God. Is that, is that, is that light? I'm turning this light off. Oh, this, this short interview. There we go. Um, I don't know how to turn the light off. Oh, I just blinded myself completely. Can we edit out the stupid things I do? Um, well, I just see lots of little spots now, and they're not you. Guys, I'm, I'm all for doctors. Um, now that I'm semi-blind. Um, medicine has its place. So if you're in the room and you're on meds, you're fine. Right? Luke, one of the writers of the New Testament, was a doctor. Doctors have their place. God has given us the ability, the skill to have these people. Yet we want to embrace, we don't want to embrace a script while neglecting the scripture. Right? That sounds cliche and cheesy, but it's true. How, how often do we go for the pills before the prayer? Um, we, we medicate and we don't meditate. So the truth of Scripture speaks into our circumstance. Pills, medicine, doctor, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not knocking those things. They certainly have their place. But not at the exclusion of Scripture and prayer and meditation and trusting God to bring the healing that we need. The point is, our mental health is important to God. And we want to speak into it. I believe God wants to help us to deal with root issues. So sometimes some of us carry things from childhood we don't even know we're carrying that manifests later in life. But God wants us to be emotionally healed and healthy and whole. And we're going to trust God together that, that that's what he's going to do. Um, 
there might be things that are happening in your life that we, do, we don't even understand the reasons to. And God can deal with those things without you even knowing it was something to be dealt with. But we're going to be open here. Listen to Paul's prayer to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 and 24. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May God cleanse you. May he consecrate you. May he work with root issues through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So when it comes to mental health in the church, for some reason, it's like a taboo subject. We, we, it's like we're not allowed to struggle mentally when we're Christians. There seems to be that stigma that goes throughout the church. Uh, you know, like I said before, how, how are you? And we'll go, oh, too blessed to be stressed. And you're thinking, really? You know, I kind of know some of your story. And of course, we trust God for miracles. And we trust in God that supernatural things will happen. God can take broken things and make them whole. But for some reason, people have the stigma attached to depression or social um, struggle, I mean, uh, mental struggles, and then they feel like they need to come to church and put a good mask on because it's something that we shouldn't have as Christians. Miracle moments happen, and we are going to trust God for more and more miracle moments, and salvation is a miracle moment. Yet, when, how many people get saved, and instantly everything in their life gets perfect? It would be Wonderful. From the moment that I got saved, I just got a, immediately I got this incredible body um, straight after salvation. Boom. Six pack, right? I, I, was, I was saved. And, and the moment I walked to the front and I got saved, all my fillings fell out. My teeth were so shiny and white. It was just wonderful. All my debts disappeared. Got home. Boom. Wealthy. <laughs> Rich. Right? My hair just got thick. And, and you know... <laughs> Those oh wait a minute the people that laughed loudest are the ones sitting next to someone that has no hair I'm gonna... my hair grew back and everyone at work just started instantly loving me like that, that's how it happens I've lived with perfect health ever since I gave my life to Jesus and I'm super good at sport now right <laughs> yes in a moment our spirits go from death to life that happens yet I still have some bad habits and I still have, you know, I still need fillings. Uh, yes, I'm a new creation. Yes, I've been redeemed. Yes, I'm restored to God. But God is not finished with me. I am a work in progress. Yes, I have the mind of Christ. I have access to scripture. Yet my mind is still being restored and transformed. Yes, I have scripture. But I still have so much to learn. Yes, I've been forgiven of my sins. Yes, as a believer, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. Yet while I am here on earth, I'm still working through my struggles. And like our bodies need certain things to be healthy, so do our minds. Like our bodies can be broken, so can our minds. Right? So if you are struggling, and I guess it's probably a few, a few more than we want to admit, trust God. Because God knows your struggle and he wants to work with it. Through my own season, I've been in contact with the most amazing therapist uh, at Bible college over 20 years ago when I was at Bible college back then. He was one of my lecturers. And the subject that he taught was psychological disorders from a Christian perspective. So this guy's a really qualified psychologist. And, and I thank God I've had the opportunity to walk with him and to go with him through some stuff. But when it comes to 
to mental health. I think that we need to look at psychology through the eyes of, or through the lens of Scripture, and not look at Scripture through the lens of a psychologist, right? If that makes any sense. So I am not a psychologist. I am a pastor. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a biblical view to mental health. What does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say? What does God say? Because God's opinion is sovereign over all. So the first thing is this. What is mental health? We should have it on the screen. It is our emotional well-being. And this is like this I've got from listening to guys. Emotional well-being, psychological well-being, and social well-being. Emotional psychological and social well-being. And just like our bodies, we can be healthy for a season, but then we can go through something and become unhealthy. And our minds can go through something and we can face a trauma or a situation or a circumstance that takes us from being healthy to being unhealthy. And we need to recognize what's going on and how to trust God for healing. Um, Our mental health, and I listened to a radio station from Kayla's school, and uh, uh, she was on radio for a school anyway, and they were talking about this very subject, and I listened to it, it such a confirmation. Our mental health affects how we think, therefore how we feel, therefore how we act. What is going on in your head is going to affect how you feel, and therefore how you act. Therefore, it becomes a foundation to how we handle stress and how we relate to people. Some people are just like a ticking time bomb. Because they're going through stuff. And you might just be the one person who managed to stand on the trigger. Our mental state will influence and affect our friendships and even who we choose as friends. It's a reflection of our mental state. Our relationships are hugely affected by our state of mind. You know, if you're going through pressure at work and you come home, the way you handle things at home is probably far different from when things are going great at work or wherever else you are. Our mental health and I know this from my own personal experience, can affect our physical health. I understand what it's like when stress becomes so overwhelming that it starts to work itself out in your physical health. And we know that to some degree, we're all going through something at this time, and it affects how we respond to the people around us. We want to be ambassadors of Christ, restored, regenerated, reformed, with the mind of Christ instead of broken and easily triggered, highly offended, right? I believe God spoke clearly to me the year before last year, and said, I want to take you deeper. Uh, I also amen that. <laughs> I didn't realize that going deeper meant that God wants to deal with some root issues, and sometimes that's pretty painful. But God wants to bring healing from the root levels of our lives. So when it comes to mental health, I'm glad that guys preached into this, and Craig Rochelle spoke about some of the myths around mental health, and I want to say, uh, talk about it. If you're taking notes... Myth number one regarding mental health. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. It's a myth. Um, You know, people, what? You're a Christian. How can you be a Christian and be so anxious? How weak, you know? You better, you know, better, you better distance yourself from church. Otherwise, people are going to find out that you're struggling with your emotions. Clearly, you've got some issues. Or or you're not praying enough. That's why you've got mental issues. Or... You're not praying properly, and therefore you're not getting the results that you need. Some, something must be wrong with you. The truth is that we can love Jesus, absolutely love Jesus, read the Bible every day, pray like a champion, never miss church, worship like a rock star, and still struggle with anxiety, and still fight depression, and still feel overwhelmed. 
When we look at scripture, we see these giants, hall of famers, these people that we put on a pedestal. They are absolutely outstanding when it comes to living lives of faith. Elijah, incredible. This, I mean, this man called down fire from heaven. He insulted the Baal worshippers, and he's like, "Where is your God? Is he on toilet on the toilet?" You know, like he kind of mocked them, and he's like. And then he gets, oh no, just, if you want, put water all over the altar, it's fine. And then he calls down fire from heaven. Can you imagine the authority? 800 and something to one odds against the prophets to him. And God shows up in the most supernatural, powerful way. A few chapters later, he's so depressed he wants to die. David, giant slayer. We know, you know. The man that takes down giants. This man's a legend warrior. Crying himself to sleep in deep despair. Wondering if God's abandoned him. Jeremiah. The mouthpiece of God. He's speaking on behalf of God himself. Yet he's lonely, insecure, and cursing the day he was born. So if we have struggles, we're in good company. Yet God doesn't want us to stay there. So I'm not saying, hey, depression's cool. Let's stay depressed. I'm saying this. God sees, God cares, and God wants to walk you through that. Right? Amen. We've all gone through something. We're all going through something. We will all go through something. And society has a way of putting the pressure on. And sometimes the problems are simple to solve. Sometimes they are very practical things. Um, the solution to your problems could be more sleep. Um, I think it was Matt Hamer, I don't think he's here this morning, he said, uh, it was something that he said and it just kind of spoke to me. He said, the difference between being stressed and being blessed could just be you need more rest. Right? From stressed to blessed with just some rest. Our mental well-being can sometimes be found in choosing better friends. The, the environment that you are putting yourself in could be pulling you down into a dark place. You could, maybe, your mental health is just saying, I need to just find better friends. It could be that we need to stop living in isolation. And even though it's uncomfortable, we've got to get ourselves out of that difficult place and push ourselves into community. And then in your darkness, those people that are torchbearers, that are carrying the light, that are feeling the presence of God, that are hearing from God, can surround you and carry you through your difficult season. But rather, don't do it alone. It could be that we need to change our diet or get more exercise. Amen. Yet so often, we feel that there's a shame attached to struggle to our struggle, and therefore, I'm not a good Christian. What kind of good Christian gets depressed? Uh, straight out of Craig Rochelle, to struggle means that you are human. It's okay. Myth number two. God doesn't care about your mental health. I mean, think about the big issues going on. The floods, the drama, the trauma, the things. Why would God care about your little issues when the world is falling apart? Yet that limits the limitless God to only able to handle certain things. God can care about the smallest detail in your life. And he can handle that with grace as well as handling, handling the rest of the world's problems. All we need to do is bring them to Jesus um, when, when we look at the Psalms, it's amazing how God speaks into our emotions. Listen to the Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Why should I be afraid? Some of us are afraid. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? A friend of mine came to visit me this week, and he brought this scripture to my attention. Psalm 53, uh, Psalm 54, verse 3 and 4. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for God. I mean, that's got to be a horrible day. Imagine getting home from work. It's like, how was it? Well, they literally tried to kill me. Um, they are angry with God. They're angry with me, and they want me to die. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Psalm 34, verse 18. Some of you need to hear this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. What does that mean? We can be brokenhearted and be crushed in spirit? Absolutely. And God sees that and he reaches into that space. Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and, and strength. Refuge. Always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I've read this psalm a thousand times. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Imagine that. Not for me even. God, God wants to draw glory out of me for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's going through a tough time. And he's saying, Lord, you comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my, my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A promise from God that is your future. In the Psalms, it's clear that people faced mentally challenging situations. And it's so clear how much God cares. From the pain that I've gone through, two things have become very evident to me. I called them my crutches to coping. They are my friends and my faith. Friends and faith. The strength of those two things determine how we get through tough times. And it's strong. And the horizontal is strong. Then the work of the cross gets manifest from our lives. Proverbs speaks into our relationship with people. And discerning the right people to be in relationship. And Psalms speaks into our relationship with God. And how he really cares about our mental health. And the thing about the Psalms is they are so incredibly real. It's not like, you know, like it's just written as a motivational speech. The Psalms are real. And Psalm 88 was written by a guy named He-Man. You may have heard of him. Do you know He-Man? Not that He-Man. <laughs> um, not the guy from the cartoons. It says, and he's mentioned all over Scripture, right? It's various parts of Scripture. In Kings, he's mentioned multiple verses and Chronicles. And Scripture describes this man as a godly man. He's a man of worship. He's a, he's a strong father with a great reputation. He's got a heart after God. This man is, is the kind of guy that you go to for advice. He's your mentor. He's the guy that you look to. He's a strong leader. He has legacy and he has respect and he's faithful and he's a man of wisdom. 
and he writes Psalm 88. And when you read the whole of Psalm 88, you kind of wonder why you, they put it into the Bible in the first place. It's one of the only two that doesn't have a positive ending. Psalm 88, verse 3 to 5, from the easy to read, says this. My soul has had enough of this pain. I'm ready to die. People already treat me like a dead man, like someone too weak to live. Look for me among the dead like a uh, look for me among the dead, like a body in the grave. I'm one of those you have forgotten, cut off from you and your care. In response to this man's incredible anguish, what does he do? How does he respond? Psalm 88 verse 13. Lord, I am asking you to help me. Those in the room that are going through stuff, this is your go-to. Lord, I am asking you to help me. Early each morning I pray to you, Lord, why have you abandoned me? Can we understand? Can we relate? Why do you refuse to listen to me? Verse 18. You cause my friends and loved ones to leave me now. Darkness is my closest friend. Can you feel this man's pain? Can you feel the anguish? Okay, maybe you can relate. This is a good man, a godly man. Things, he's, but it's absolutely real with God. Lord, this pain is too much. I can imagine when the guys are putting the Psalms together, <laughs> they get it and they're like, oh, he man, it's very nice, you know, like very real and very honest, but we'll, we'll consider it later on. It must be like a hard Psalm. You go, this doesn't have an, a happy ending, but it shows that in the middle of our pain, we can call out to God and he's real and he understands the reality of our emotions, right? You can love God and still feel pain. You can love God and still have questions and not understand. I know what it's like to worship in the middle of pain where we have more questions than answers. And all you can do is say, Lord, you are bigger, you are stronger, you are there, and you care. I don't understand, but you are there, Lord. It's in our worship, our desire, our crying out to God that he reaches into the middle of our issues and the pain and when we're hurting God cares and you can look fine on the outside and be crushed on the inside in my pain like I said we need to reach out reach out to God and reach out to godly people reach out to God and reach out to godly people relationship with God and speaks into relationship with people if you're going through something spend time in Psalms spend time in Proverbs and ask God to speak to you and like Craig Rochelle says this, listen to this, and it's, it's going to go on the screen. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. Like I said earlier, the way that we think determines the way that we feel, and the way that we feel determines the way that we act. And when we think thoughts over and over and over, eventually it becomes a neural pathway, and we end up forming into a rut in that thing. And it's like when you go to the bush, and you walk, and you, 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 there's thick bush over here, but there's a path over here. And what we do is we find the path, and we just keep wearing the same path. Have you ever been uh, on one of those bush walks with the wild animals? The rhinos run certain paths, and eventually they see where they've run before, and they just keep running the same path. And it's not worn path and what we do is in our minds we think the same thoughts over and over and over and eventually a path becomes a rut which becomes a ditch which becomes a grave when the pressures of life increase our minds start running over and over and over and over the same thing and we wear a path good thoughts produce good paths bad thoughts produce bad paths and what we need to do is we need to disconnect from the bad paths we formed 
And we need to find a place of peace in God and then reconnect to good paths and start forming new neural pathways. Meditate before medicate. Change the way that we think instead of just put a plaster over it. So what we're going to do is we're going to trust God to find ways to disconnect our minds from what's troubling us and connect connect our minds to what's healthy and then trust God to renew the way that we think. So we need to disconnect and reconnect to the right thing. This is God's heart for us. Isaiah 26 verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. Sometimes when we're in the dark in a difficult situation, we wonder if we can trust God. You can trust God, I promise you, that it's the truth of Scripture and it's the truth of His character and His person. God can be trusted. Listen to that same verse from the New Living Translation. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. How many of us could do with perfect peace right now? Not when the storm is finished, in the middle of the storm. Not temporary or circumstantial or when you get that promotion or when you get that bonus or when things get not hinged to the exchange rate or a relationship, but perfect peace based on the presence of God. It's possible. Part of our healing will be to establish that relationship over the next few weeks. And social media and news and church and money and memories and all these things flood into our minds. And we need to, uh, the word perfect peace in the Hebrew is the word samak, which means to put your full weight on. And I was thinking that, I know it's, I've shared it before, people say, oh no, Jesus is just your crutch. And someone's like, oh no, no, he's much more, he's my stretcher. I don't just lean on him, he carries me completely. When I've gone through tough times, I haven't had the strength to be all wise and handle it myself. I've fallen completely on Jesus and godly people. So we fix our minds on Jesus and we discover our peace and we discover our healing and our victory. So if you're here today and you're struggling and the struggle is real, we're going to trust God for a healthy connection. Here's your verse to meditate on, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. By His divine power... Not my power, not my clever strategies, not my things, whatever. By His power, God has given us everything we need for, godly, for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. Our church heart, to know Jesus and make Him known. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. I can say this with some conviction. When you have nothing to hold on to, but God, you still have enough. God is my security. God is my foundation. God is my future. God is my peace. Not because the storms are gone, but because God is in the middle of the storm. As Brent said earlier on, God is our source. He's our strength. He's our peace. Um, And I'd love to say that the moment you look to Jesus all your troubles will disappear and you will have full restoration and all those pathways will be realigned. But sometimes we need to go through the process of discovering God and seeking God and pressing into God and holding on to God and hanging in there. And God becomes more and more evident and His power and presence become more and more available. And it may feel hard at first, but peace is possible. I know this to be true. I wish I could have learned what I've learned just by reading a book. (laughs) 
but we all go through seasons where we have to hold on to God because he's all we've got to hold on to. And in that space, God never lets you down. Over the next few weeks, we're going to deal with anxiety and depression and pain and burnout and negativity and trust God to speak into all of these things. I want to read the scripture I read earlier. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The God of peace. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has called you, he who has called you is faithful and he will surely do it. You serve a faithful, committed God who absolutely loves you and will not abandon you in the process. Whatever you're going through right now, God is available. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm just reminded of how the disciples were panicking because the storm was so real. Lord, you just either resting on the boat or walking on the water. I thank you, Lord, that you care about what we're going through, what we've been through. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we won't be rooted in things that are going to hurt our future, but we'll be rooted in Christ. I pray, Lord, for anyone that's struggling with anxiety or depression, they're feeling overwhelmed or burned out, they're feeling afraid. Maybe you've got a family member who's struggling with depression and you just don't know what to do. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will understand and have a revelation of the power of prayer. As we pray over ourselves, as we pray over others, I thank you, Lord, that your power, your presence be re released and revealed. Lord, we see in the scriptures, you don't hide the fact that people go through difficult seasons, but you're also very real about the fact that you are available. I thank you, Lord, those that are in a very dark place, that right now, Lord Jesus, they see the light come on. They know where to go, what to do. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will protect everybody in our church. You will surround them with godly, healthy, spirit-filled, Bible-based people and protect them from those that aren't. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that all of us will find health and healing as we go forward. May we be strong for the people that need strength, and when we need others to be strong, I thank you that we will be surrounded by those people. I pray, Lord, above all things, you be glorified in our lives. No matter what we go through, Jesus, your goodness will be revealed. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We fall into your arms. We say, Jesus, thank you for carrying us. May we be a church committed to your word, to your glory, to your presence. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for carrying us even when we didn't realize we were being carried. Amen.